Thank you. I do have a title for my little um, message, but I'm actually going to leave it um, until about halfway through to tell you what it is. So I'm going to start with some quotes. This one is from um, Charles Stoops, the creator of um, the Peanut um, comic strip and Charlie Brown. He says, I love mankind. It's people I can't stand. Um, none of the uh, French existentialists are um, probably going to say this wrong. John Paul Sartre? Sartre. Uh, he says, hell is other people. Jane Austen, one of my favourite authors, who wrote uh, Land of Prejudice, said, I do not want people to be very agreeable, as it saves me the trouble of liking them a great deal. <laughs> <laughs> what does all of this have to do with something they learned at a vessel? Worth it certain. Well, it can be so easy to become caught up in our doing that we can actually forget that what we're ultimately called to is to impact others and to change others. Um, the Great Commission is a reminder of this. This is in Matthew 28, 19 to 20. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I'm like, I am with you always to the very end of the age. I know that um, Jack, Dr. Rook, has often talked about the Great Commission when it talks about going into all the world, but actually talking about us in our everyday going about our business. But so often it can be very easy to get caught up in the day-to-day what we have to do. I'm a very task-oriented person, so I tend to see life as a to-do list. I'm working on that. <laughs> um, that means that often I see life as, okay, I've got to do this, I've got this amount of time to do it in, let's start working on these things. But it's actually not about getting those things done. Yes, I have to get those things done, and you know, at work there are things that I need to do, which is, you know, I'm the boss of a childcare centre, I also have um, the owners of the childcare centre that I need to honour in my work. But it's actually about the people that I impact while I'm doing those things. That's how I was at the Great Commission. Um, so the things that need to be done can't be done at the expense of helping others move closer to God or helping others see God in a deeper way. I think Jesus' ministry is a massive example of this. I was thinking this morning about this and how if I had been one of his disciples, I probably would have been quite frustrated with him at times. You think about it. Jesus goes to get a drink of water at the well. Not a simple task. It's not just, here's my water. No, there's a lady there. So he needs to spend time talking to the lady, which ultimately changed her life for the better. We know that, that because it's recorded in the Bible, when we think of the Samaritan woman at the well, you know, she went and then she told others about Jesus. But I can imagine as a disciple, they'd be like, oh, this is it. Come on, Jesus. Have a drink of water. Then we can just get on with what we need to do. When you think about, um, is the time that's recorded where Jesus was ministering and um, the um, mothers of the children were bringing the children to Jesus for him. And it wasn't even they wanted him to spend time with them so much, it was just for him to touch their heads and bless them. And the other disciples were like, oh, get the children away, get the children away. But Jesus said, no, let them come to me. And you think about that, their lives would have been impacted for a very, you know, forever, and it would have impacted on generations. Just from that one simple, tiny little bit of time that he took to love on them. Um, 
We also read um, in Genesis 12 the establishment of um, the Abrahamic covenant, which you might wonder what that kind of has to do with this. But I was thinking about that as well. That it says, I'll make you into a great nation. This is God talking to Abraham. And I will bless you. I'll make your name great, and you'll be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse, and all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So, <coughs> now, like that in these verses, we can see that, yep, there is a to do list of sorts. Being a great nation is not a task that you can kind of just click your fingers and expect it to happen overnight. But it was not just to make Abraham and his family great. He was, it says it twice actually, he was blessed to be a blessing and through him all people on earth would be blessed. That means he was going to have to give people the time of day. He was going to not be able to see people um, as an obstacle, which it can be very easy to do when you see life as a list of tasks. <laughs> um, <coughs> So people were meant to be seen by him as not an obstacle to him achieving his promise, but they were to be blessed for him achieving his promise. So just overly really like that. So, the point that I started all of this is, I love me and mind, it's people that I hate. If we look at that through God's point of view, he would simply say, I love mankind. Um, <coughs> God actually sent his son to restore his relationship with us. He loved us and saw us as a prize worthy of his greatest gift. So the title of my message is actually God's people are his prize. And you know, the greatest gift that we can give God, yes, our life, but it's also us impacting others and bringing others closer to God. You know, as I'm at work, working in this particular workplace, so there are things that I can do that show God's love, whether it's giving someone a bit more time, whether it's, you know, working things so that we can um, have the best outcome for a child that's at the centre. And things that we can always do, whether it's when I'm at the supermarket, giving someone the time of day, instead of just doing my shopping list and walking out. <coughs> we see um, that God sent his son to restore his relationship with us. We read in John 3.16, For God loved the world so much, oh sorry, for God loved the world in this way, so much that he would give up his son, the only one, so that everyone who trusts in him shall not be lost, but he shall have eternal life. I love that, that, that God loved us that much, that he saw us as his greatest prize, that he gave up his greatest position so that we could be in relationship with him, so that we could have that relationship restored with him. I'm actually going to take communion um, with this because as I was reflecting on this um, more, I, we thought that communion is very appropriate to take um, at this time because communion is the, the remembering, us remembering the sacrifice that Jesus made so that we could be closer to God. And then at the same time we can think of the things that we can do to help bring others so if we can have that and we'll hand it out. I'll quickly pray and then we have a little um, video to watch that's called The Greatest Gift and it um, sort of works through that for God to love the world thought by thought and explains it in a little bit more depth and I really love the way it does it so we can pray now. Thank you Lord God. Well we thank you that you see us as people as your greatest prizes that you 
knew that we needed rescuing and that you sent your only son to save us, Lord. And we pray that throughout the coming week and throughout the coming months, Lord, that you show us ways that we can love on other people, the things that we can do to bring other people closer to you, Lord. Whether it's just giving someone a little bit more time than we normally would, or whether it's um, specifically talking to someone about salvation, Lord, but you show us those things, Lord. Amen. Come on, 
<laughs> just in case I hadn't fully got it. <laughs> and I went, oh, okay, I really get it now. <laughs> I really get it because this is important. Well, I need to be a Christian that belongs to God. And whenever I asked, that's a long time ago, I don't know, like 20, 30 years ago, a long time ago. And it's always, that love relationship I have with the Lord is quite strong. And whenever I slip or I just get a bit lazy, he reminds me of the cat. <laughs> that I should be not a dripping cat, but that I should be full on. And you know, I never could really get it because I was a pretty full on sold out person. I really was from my own very much faith people. And years and years and years later, I realized that in doing that, he was doing something to my life. Now, I don't know the words that God has spoken into your life, but you know, it's probably not just that word, but that word is the first step in a progression of where he's going to take you. And I can tell you that the things of God are good. Wow. He's not going to let you down. For me, it became a, a wellspring of the Holy Spirit. You know, whenever I want to, I can plug into the Holy Spirit in a moment. If people need prayer or whatever, I can plug in straight away. And I went to the worship workshop. Yeah, I can say it. Not get it around the wrong way. Or, yeah. Anyway. For me, it was joining in with like-minded people who had a passion for God, who had decided that they were going to leave behind the old life and that they were going to press forward into God. And there were professional worshippers there. And you know, that's their job. They pray. And they carry that anointing with them. And for me, I really enjoyed the power. I'm a power girl. I love the power of the Holy Spirit. I love the relationship with God. And so in the worship, when worship is really powerful, you know, the presence of the Holy Spirit is there for miracles, for um, healing. And he often calls me to pray at that time. And so I prayed for a lot of you at that time. and for myself and my household, and for the city that I live in. And I want to encourage you, you know, if you have an opportunity, it was during the day, but there was also a, a night worship evening. When you can, if there are community things that you can participate in, because there, it's an encouraging thing to be with like-minded Christians who are praising God, pressing into God, and it can actually help you go to the next level in your life. Rather than um, having to battle on your own to get up to that next level, it's a really good way of getting up to the next level. And I'll, that's why I came home with that. The next day I was full of life, full of you know, joy, happy, happy. And that's what, how I was impacted, being with like-minded people. And that's that could be me. Okay, if you're like-minded. <laughs> <laughs> did you say like-minded? You did? That was a bit cheeky, wasn't it? <laughs> well, I actually want to read a, a scripture 
it was interesting, you know, we, we had actually thought a few weeks ago that we just might be impacted by our experience of the Bethel Worship Night. And yesterday we were just trading tech, working out who was going to actually play what. And it took about 10 minutes, because each one of us knew exactly what it was we wanted to share with, um, with you folks who are here today. And um, you might be wondering, how did all that happen during worship night? And it happened because it wasn't just all worship. And in the, the workshop, people were able to ask questions of the whole team of, of worship leaders who come out from uh, the United States. And they just sat on the stage and opened up and shared with us. And one of the things that really touched my heart was the story of the very first church service that Bill Johnson talk, and he, he's the senior pastor at Bethel, the first service he took after his own father had died. Now his father was a preacher on, on healing. His father actually died of pancreatic cancer. Um, his father, Bill Johnson's dad, was uh, fairly senior in the Assemblies of God movement. He's one of the, the leaders in the Assemblies of God movement. And as you know, Assemblies of God and Pentecostal will believe in the healing power of the blood of Jesus Christ. We believe that it is our right as sons and daughters of the living God to walk in divine health and prosperity. Yet his father died. And of course, when that happens, and you have a bit of a profile, people are going to ask questions. And undoubtedly, you're going to ask questions as well. But he came to that service and he made a very simple statement and I can't actually remember the words. I remember its impact on me, but I can't actually remember the exact words. But it was along the lines that it happened. I don't understand fully all of the why and the wherefore, but I'm going to give this moment to God and I'm going to love Him and I'm going to worship Him. And I thought, you know, that's a wonderful response, isn't it? Because... Bill Johnson won't know until he gets to heaven why his dad died of pancreatic cancer. But in the meantime, he's going to give God the moment. And I want to read to you from uh, Luke 7. They made reference to this, uh, Brian Johnson, who is uh, Bill Johnson's son, and he's one of the main worship leaders, one of the worship pastors at Bethel. He referred to the instance where the lady named Mary, who's often uh, referred to as a prostitute, took ointment from an alabaster box and, and actually washed the feet of Jesus. And I'd like to read to you the full story, if I may. So, please don't fall asleep. I'll try and read really loud so you don't fall asleep. It takes a few verses. This is from Luke chapter 7, and I'm starting at verse 37. And behold, a woman in the city who was a sinner, when she knew that Jesus was at the table in the Pharisee's house, bought an alabaster flask of fragrant oil, and stood at his feet behind him weeping. And she began to wash his feet with her tears, and wiped them with her hair of her head. And she kissed his feet, and anointed them with the fragrant oil. Now when the Pharisee, who had invited him to his house, saw this, he spoke to himself, saying, This man, that is Jesus, if he were a prophet, would know who and what manner of woman this is. So he's touching him, for she is a sinner. And Jesus answered and said to him, Simon, I have something to say to you. 
So he said, teachers say it. There was a certain creditor who had two debtors. One owed 500 denarii and the other 50. And when they had nothing with which to repay, he freely forgave them both. Tell me, therefore, which of them will love him more? Someone answered and said, I suppose the one whom he forgave more. And he said to him, You have rightly done. Then he turned to the woman and said to Simon, Do you see this woman? I entered your house. You gave me no water for my feet, but she has washed my feet with her tears and wiped them with the hair of her head. You gave me no kiss, but this woman has not ceased to kiss my feet since the time I came in. You did not anoint my head with oil, but this woman has anointed my feet with fragrant oil. Therefore I say to you, the sins which are many are forgiven, for she loved much, but to whom little is forgiven, the same loves little. Sorry, I should be wearing my glasses. <laughs> it's just such a nuisance to put it on. Then he said to her, your sins are forgiven. And those who sat at the table with him began to say to themselves, Who is this to even forgive sins? And he said to the woman, Your faith has saved you. Go in peace. This is an amazing story, and I don't really have time to dwell on it at any great length. But Jesus was invited to the house of Simon the Pharisee. Now they clearly didn't like Jesus, because they offered him no hospitality whatsoever. Normally, if you were invited into someone's house, the first thing they would do would be make provision for you to wash your feet. Because in those days, people wore open shoes, they didn't have any such thing as socks back then, roads were dusty, and so by the time you got to your host's house, you would have had dirty feet. But the Pharisee didn't make any provision for Jesus to wash his feet. The Pharisee didn't welcome him with a kiss, which is a common Eastern thing, a part of their tradition. And the uh, Pharisee didn't have to do this, but the Pharisee didn't bless Jesus by anointing his head with oil. He didn't do any of those things that in, indicate hospitality. But here was this woman. You know, she knew she was a sinner. We know that she knew she was a sinner because she was weakness. And she took something of value and in the moment, in the moment, she blessed Jesus by taking the ointment from the alabaster box and anointing his feet and literally washing his feet with the tears that she was crying and wiping his feet with her hands. In the moment, she took the moment to bless Jesus. And of course, as a result, Jesus said, Your faith, your faith has set you free all your many sins are forgiven in the moment. And so the challenge that Brian Johnson left us, who were there on Thursday night, was what are you going to do in the moment? In the moment when you're tempted to think impure thoughts, are you going to give that moment to the Lord? In the moment when you're tempted to feel depressed and defeated, are you going to worship the Lord? That's a big challenge for me. Because there are times when I do feel down in the dumps and defeated. There are times when I wake up in the morning like I did this morning with a headache and, and, and an ache in my throat. 
it's probably because I was mowing the lawn last night. It doesn't always help. But what do I do in the moment? Do I feel sorry for myself and wish to my family? <coughs> Don't ask them if I ever do that, would you? <laughs> or do I say, Lord, I'm going to give you the moment. What a challenge that was to me on Thursday night. What am I going to do in the moment? Hallelujah, praise God. Dave, the floor is yours. Okay. Okay. Talk about, uh, I'm going to follow on from those three. That's, that's always like an absolute uh, joy and challenge at the same time. Um, I, I, I'm sort of going to echo different thoughts maybe for the last three because I actually found uh, sort of by some content from some of the questions that went, uh, the question that went on was a Q&A session with uh, the worship leaders in that opportunity to ask questions and it was a very, very good time, a very sort of uh, revealing time. We realised that, you know, having sort of been a, in a previous life, having led a worship team for a large number of years and been involved in worship teams for a long period of time, we realised that there really is no new thing under the sun. And uh, in terms of in terms of the things that we will go through and experience and something along those lines. And it got me really thinking, the question is got me thinking because because of that. Uh, looking at um, Ephesians five, verses fifteen to twenty, which is a great little little section, it's sort of like sandwiched in between basically a whole stack of don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this. And uh, the bit where we talk about how, you know, men and women is ranked below. Of respect. So it's, uh, it's, it's sort of wedged between two pretty heavy going sections of the Bible. But uh, it's kind of like this light relief in the middle. So be careful how you live. Do not live like fools, but like those who are wise. So far, so good. Make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Do not act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Do not be drunk with wine, because it will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit. Singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves, and making music to the Lord in your heart. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. So, you can sit back and interpret that as either kind of an admonishment or as an encouragement. And then it can kind of, you can emphasize the matter simply saying, don't do this, don't do this, don't do this, and you'll have this result of being filled with the Holy Spirit and overflowing with joy and, and spiritual songs. And it can look like a form of higher tell when it's presented that way. And I think possibly it's just the way in which we look at these kind of things. I think you really get behind it and sort of say, what's the Father's heart in this verse and in this situation? It's pretty easy to get distracted by things in this world, by opportunities in this world that are not necessarily aligned with the plans and so good purposes of God. And this isn't necessarily directly about salvation. I still actually think, although it's not a desirable outcome, it's still quite possible to get to heaven having led a pointless life. <laughs> but the point is that God doesn't want us to lead a pointless life. Like He wants to have a relationship with us. He wants us to have godly relationships with everybody else. And this, this text speaks to like how we relate in our personal lives. And, um, and, and I think what if we send it on its head a little bit? You say, you know, we have, we were sent the helper, we were sent the Holy Spirit, apparently, right? And, um, sorry, <laughs> there's a reason I just did that thing with my shoulders. I tend to remember the Greek name for the Holy Spirit by thinking of parakeets, and then I think about, you know, bird on the shoulder, like pirate. <laughs> <laughs> and so, sort of like a mnemonic for those of you who've got some trouble. But anyway, yeah. So, 
was translated to help us. No, it wasn't translated to help us. Instead, he filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs by himself, making music to the Lord in your heart. And I quite like that, because it's like making music to the Lord in your heart. And then I was thinking about the other metaphors of the Holy Spirit in the living, like I said, you know, our body is a temple and the Holy Spirit dwells within it and sort of stuff like that. And then also other things come along, you know, getting drunk, acting thoughtlessly, uh, acting foolish, acting foolish without wisdom. And it's kind of like, because we have the Holy Spirit in us, he's like, hey man, pull out, you know. <laughs> there isn't so much room for all of this other stuff that's an easy distraction. Good. Though. It takes out of the Holy Spirit. And so all of a sudden this stuff about that sort of thing, you know, and we're not talking about walking around like a chorus for your whole life, hallelujah, you know. But you walk in an existence where every time kind of something came on that was threatening to, you know, knock the cheese off the cracker, so to speak. Um, or any time that, you know, you face a challenge or a trial or something like that, you were able to to draw within the strength of the Holy Spirit residing within you and overflow with psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Making music to God in your heart in the face of adversity, in the face of triumph, in the face of great relationships, in the face of relationship breakdowns, all of those sorts of things. And I think that that also turns it on the head, where it says, you know, it's not a list of do not, do not, do not, do not. I mean, you know, there is wisdom in do not, but there is uh, an empowering that comes from the Holy Spirit to not mm. do the things that are foolish and to do the things that are wise. And that, I think, is, is, is a really important aspect of it. And, and, and this is the, this is the other aspect. Yeah, so that refers to us as individuals. So what about us as, as interacting with each other? Um, and, uh, and this is really, really interesting. Another verse in Colossians, similar thing. Colossians 3, 15, 16. Right? Let the peace of Christ rule in your heart, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Um, that is a particularly hard verse to adhere to when you're driving. But let the peace of Christ rule in If I'm driving, the peace of Christ rule in my heart. That's what I want, God, you know, that's what I need. Because, you know, it's so easy to just get really wound up. Um, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach. Interesting and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And I was sitting there in the church, what the what? Because teach and admonish each other with uh, psalms and hymns of the Spirit. Admonish each other with all wisdom, important caveat. Through psalms, hymns, and songs of the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your heart. And it's a challenge in terms of the worship and what I need to do. Because I, I think, you know, I've been in church for a long time, and there's one thing I've kind of learned is that people are pretty quick to try and teach me stuff. <laughs> and people are even quicker to try and admonish me of stuff. In fact, for some people it's like a national sport almost. Um, they're only happy when they're telling other people off. And, and I realise that, like, that, that is a very human trend. It is a very human nature to, to want to have an input in some of us, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's sort of maybe feeling personal superiority. Sometimes it's because I genuinely have a love for you, uh, and I think that's when it's actually effective. And sometimes it's just, it's just uh, a lack of wisdom. But I like this one, teaching and not one another with all wisdom. Through psalms, hymns, songs of spirit, singing to God's gratitude in your heart. And it really comes back to the heart issue. If you want to talk to someone, you want to have them listen, right? 
clinging to God with gratitude in your heart is an important certain aspect of that. If you want to, you know, uh, very much have an impact in someone's life, then your own life is going to have to be empowered by the Holy Spirit. If you want to, um, you know, operate in the wisdom that kind of allows you to say hard things on occasion and actually have people go away, think about it, and not destroy the relationship, which is more likely when it comes to a human place, very likely actually, then you're going to need the operation of the Holy Spirit and heart, the wisdom of God in those situations. And uh, you know, the idea that you can teach through songs is, is really interesting, but I think, you know, thinking about the church, you know, the songs that we do and how they some do contain, uh, some of them are really great for like a heartfelt cry to God or all that sort of thing, and some of them really do contain spiritual truths that we sort of say over and over by, um, so that we, uh, they live within us. David said, what is it I've hidden your words in my heart that I might not sin against you? In the same way, the words and the concepts and the, and the nature of God becomes imprinted on our very heart because of the way in which we sing it. Say it. So that, that's really my, my, my piece. It's, it's pretty short. I, and I just, but I just wanted to, I was really encouraged by those two verses in terms of how we look and live. We can tell us how to operate and we can try to operate uh, in a manner that, um, that, that, that is that counts for the things of God. You know, you get to the end of the race and have run the race well, right? You can still get to the finish line, you know, three weeks after everybody else, right? <laughs> having having jobs that all you call having walked before. Or you can make a, make a, an intention, and I think this year is something we're encouraging people to do. You know, it, it make 2017 the year that you're going to seek after God and his plans and his purposes and, and make it count for something, right? Setting aside what's gone in the past, start to make start 2017 an idea that this year, you know, this is going to be something significant for the things of God in my life and the things of God in the lives of those around me as I have an impact, right? The Holy Spirit fills us up, and I didn't get to check who said this originally. So I'm not going to tell you what I think it was. The Holy Spirit fills us up, and then I remember once Saint Francis was, uh, was quoted as saying, you know, people ask me, like, why do I keep needing to be filled by the Holy Spirit, surely I was filled the first time and that's enough. And there's, there's the best answer I've ever heard is like, yeah, but I leak. <laughs> <laughs> right? And there's two parts of that. There's leakers in this kind of reduction, there's leakers in what I have, I kind of leak and it overflows out of my world and people are impacted by that in the business, which is I think is a pretty cool thing. And a very God shaped thing, you know, the kind of, the kind of person um, uh, one of the metaphors that I think of with God is um, like a drill sergeant that has two eyes, one that goes one way and one goes the other way. Right, and so he says, hey, yeah, stand attention. Two people stand attention in different places. You know. <laughs> Why is that God? Because God speaks, and an amazing thing happens in a person's life, and then there's like two or three other people that get affected as well because he's God. And, you know, I think that's an amazing aspect, and it's a very God-shaped aspect. To do something, and it's not just like, God's goodness is so great, it's so amazing, that when you go boom like that in one instance, you know, there's one person intended to be affected, and then there's a whole stack of people around that just go, wow. Alright, well, thank you very much. It's been a little bit different this morning. It's good to have a chance to hear from a few different people, a few different perspectives, and uh, actually get a bit of a time. We're going to break into a time of community now. We are. Um, so, and we get to enjoy each other's company um, with wisdom and as